Hello and welcome to Dear Franny. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. I'm a recovered lawyer turned love and life coach. And this podcast is the place where I talk all things love and true love from dating and relationships to manifesting a life that you love. Thank you for being here. Hello, welcome. I am back. It has been a while. And for those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a long time, thank you. Thank you so much for your loyalty and your patience with me. I had every intention of recording this podcast all throughout the fall, but the fall has gotten away from me. It's been a really busy fall. I took on some new projects and commitments. Um, I've been working with a platform called Peoplehood as their love and dating expert, and I've been doing some things with them. I went to Atlanta for TED Women. I got a book deal. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> I had a birthday. I went to Las Vegas and had the best birthday week ever with my boyfriend and two of my best friends. And we saw Earth, Wind & Fire, and I saw you 2 at the Sphere in Vegas. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out my Instagram, Dear Franny. You can see how much fun I had in Vegas. <laughs> A lot. In addition to just life, lifing. So um, I have been thinking about you, dear listener. And if you are new to this podcast, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. And yes, it is the end of the year, but I'm going to be uh, recording some episodes to take you out through the end of 2023. So let's get started, y'all. Let's get started. Okay. First of all, I have a big announcement. So next Friday, December 8th, my TED Talk is going live. It's going live at 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, December 8th. And I'm really excited. I hope that you watch it. I hope that it inspires you. I hope that you share it. And the good news is that it's um, a hopeful message about love, which I don't think there's a lot of that out there these days. And also it's only three minutes long, so you can easily watch it and watch it and watch it again. <laughs> I'm going to give a little preview. Not, I'm not going to give a preview of the whole talk, but those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, or you've worked with me, or you know me, you know that I have this concept that I talk about, which I call the fairy tale industrial complex. And what I mean by that is that it's really the ways in which romantic love, and more specifically, a fantasy about romantic love is sold to us. And it's sold to us in products, it's sold to us in movies and TV shows and love songs and all sorts of places. And I think a really good illustration of this is the diamond engagement ring. Many people feel that a diamond engagement ring, it is the epitome of love. It is the epitome of romantic commitment. It is the ultimate symbol of love. And some people believe this to the point where if someone that they love and they wanna be with, proposes to them and they don't have a ring that is a certain size and cut and all of those things that to them that is disrespectful to them that means the person doesn't love them and that means that that's someone that they can't spend their lives with so this actually really affects people because there are a lot of people who are basing their relationship their decisions about who they're going to marry based on what kind of ring they get, how big the ring is, how much the ring costs, et cetera. And I'm not saying this to judge anyone, but I just want to point out 
this is a perfect example of the fairy tale industrial complex and this idea of romantic love being used to sell you something. So De Beers, which is the world's largest diamond cartel, De Beers has many, 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 many diamonds um, stockpiled in various places around the world, but particularly in South Africa. And if De Beers were to release all of the diamonds that they had already mined, if they were to release them onto the market, everyone would be buying diamonds at the gas station. I mean, they would be really worthless. So the rarity of diamonds is something that's very manufactured. And so that's one thing right there. There are far more gems that are far more rare than diamonds. However, they don't have the same PR <laughs> and they don't have the same marketing um, behind them. So back in the 1940s, De Beers had all these diamonds. People weren't buying diamonds. There was no real market for diamonds. Diamonds were not, certainly not something that the average person would buy or think about buying. There is no hundreds of years long tradition of giving diamond engagement rings, even though that's sort of what I think a lot of people think. That's not true. In the 1940s, De Beers decided, we got to sell these diamonds. What, how are we going to get people to buy diamonds? Apparently, it was actually a woman advertising exec who came up with their campaign, A Diamond is Forever. It was a brilliant, brilliant campaign because here we are 80 years later and uh, most people really believe that a diamond is forever. It's the ultimate symbol of love. And so they decided to use this idea of romantic devotion to sell diamonds. And they created the entire industry of the diamond engagement ring. And they have, for the last 80 years, all of their advertisements always contain this tagline, a diamond is forever. And they have done such a good job of convincing millions and millions of people around the world that a diamond is something that you should spend months of your salary on. You know, De Beers came up with that, the standard that you're supposed to spend three months of your salary on an engagement ring. Who came up with that? That was De Beers. The whole system of grading diamonds, you know, the four C's, there's cut, clarity, carrot, and something else. Sorry, I'm blanking on it. I'm actually not an expert in diamonds, but I am an expert in the fairy tale industrial complex. All of these ideas that we have about diamond engagement rings were very, very manufactured. So the reason that I like to talk about this and point this out, and you know, diamond rings are just one example of this, is that there's so many things that we believe to be true about love and relationships and how love works, what it's supposed to look like, who gets to have it, that are all based on a story that we have been sold. And it starts really early. And so I encourage you to reflect on, you know, when you were a child, when you first became aware of this idea of romantic love, of true love, of marriage, what did you consider to be romantic? What are the stories that resonated with you if you were like me, a romantic child who grew up really wanting love, really wanting relationships, really wanting to fall in love one day? Where did your vision of what that looked like and what was ideal, where did that come from? And for a lot of us, it really starts literally with fairy tales, with Disney fairy tales, with the idea of a princess and being rescued and living happily ever after and a dream wedding. I mean, another example of the fairy tale industrial complex in action is Disney. Disney as a studio was struggling when they released the first Cinderella movie. And this was back in the 1930s. It was such a huge success. It saved the studio. 
and it created this template for the fairy tale princess and for this fantasy of happily ever after that Disney created with this movie. That started a whole slew of other movies, of other stories, of other narratives around true love being this magical thing that comes into your life and rescues you from your misery, from your unhappiness, from literally being abused like Cinderella was, or being under a wicked spell like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, or being trapped in a tower by a wicked, you know, stepmother and all of these stories. The idea is always that true love shows up and true love is a person and it's always a high status man in the fairy tales. So he's a prince, he's a knight, he's a king, and he shows up and he rescues you. He literally rescues you from the tower. He rescues you from your miserable life circumstances. The love is instant. When he sees you, he falls in love with you at first sight and he'll do anything for you. It's all about the grand gesture. And then you have a fairy tale wedding and that seals happiness for all eternity. And if you think about this as an actual template for how we should operate in life and how we should form relationships, it's obviously ridiculous. And it's obviously not how relationships work. And frankly, I never wanted to be a princess who was trapped in a tower. I never wanted to be someone whose life was so miserable that I was waiting for my, quote, prince to come and save me. And I'm really grateful that I never wanted that because I really, I see the harm that a lot of people really hold onto these ideas. It, you know, they can be brilliant people. They're so accomplished. They're so empowered in so many ways. But there's still this notion that I was promised this rescue. I was promised this happily ever after ending. I was promised that if I was good enough and beautiful enough and young enough and thin enough, and if I looked a certain way, then I would be chosen by this high status partner and I would get to live happily ever after. Now, the fairy tale industrial complex, it affects all of us, but it obviously comes for women <laughs> the strongest. If you were raised as a girl, you've been getting these messages your whole life. And if you were raised as a boy, you're also getting a message that you've got to be successful. You've got to be the knight in shining armor. You've got to be this high status man. You've got to woo women. You've got to tell them what they want to hear. You've got to play the part, right? You've got to play the part of this Prince Charming, of this rescuer. And I'm not saying that anybody is necessarily going around being like, I need to act like Prince Charming in my dating life. But if you look at, you know, one of the things that I'd like to point out as a real illustration, because everything I'm saying right now, I hope that it's resonating with you. And usually when I talk to people about this, it does resonate with them. However, I have a very concrete example of the harm that is done, right? A harm that is done by these fairy tale narratives around romantic relationships. That is the very real phenomenon of romance scams. So romance scams are the number one consumer fraud in America. And if you go to the FTC website, and the FTC is the Federal Trade Commission here in the US, you go to their website, ftc.gov, you will see that they have multiple resources on their website around romantic scams because they have cost consumers billions of dollars every year. And by the way, they're underreported. So even the billions of dollars that they know about is still an underreporting of the actual harm, just financially, to say nothing of the emotional harm, but financially that is caused by romance scams. Now, how are these romance scammers operating? How are they able to 
extract so much money out of people. They're able to do it. And by the way, romance scams are the oldest scams in the book. So this is not a situation where technology has created a romance scam, but it is a, an instance of technology really making it worse. It's exacerbating romance scams because it's giving these predators and these scammers the tools to aggressively pursue people. I say pursue um, people, that's in quotes because it's not an actual pursuit of a relationship. It's the pursuit of making you think you're in a relationship with them so they can extract things from you, specifically money. There's also scammers and there's also just, you know, bad actors who are, they want other things from you. They want your time. They want your energy. They want sex. They want power. They want control. There's lots of different ways. And there's also people I think are actually well-intentioned, but they don't know how to operate in relationships other than via this fairy tale narrative that doesn't really exist. So how do they do it? The tool that everyone uses from the kind of clueless person who maybe does have well intentions, but they don't really know how to be in a relationship or how healthy relationships work to the person who is outright in business to rip you off. And by the way, there are lots of actual organized operations of romance scammers. They go to work every day, just like everyone else, but this is their job is to make people think that they're in a relationship with them and then to steal money from them. They do this through love bombing. So love bombing is a behavior that is always a red flag. It is always a red flag because like I said, in the most minor scenario, it's somebody who is well-intentioned, but they don't know how else to be in relationship other than through this excessive display of I'm so crazy about you. Usually the way it's described when people have experienced this, it's like everything I ever wanted to hear, I've heard. It felt like a movie. It felt like a fantasy. It felt like finally I met this person who just thinks I'm the greatest thing ever and I finally feel seen and loved for who I am. And the problem with that is that it's so overwhelming, right? When somebody is love bombing you, and that's the term, and, and literally you can go to the FTC website. I'm not making this up. <laughs> Even the federal government is on to this. And this is actually the really good news. The good news is that all of these scammers, they all operate via the same love bombing tactics. That's it. It's a proven psychological tactic and that's what they use. So you don't have to worry about, oh, are they switching it up? Are they do? I mean, I can't say there aren't other scammers out there who are doing other things who are smarter than this maybe, or hip to this. However, this is the behavior that you really need to be on the lookout for because this is the scamming textbook playbook. So they overwhelm you with declarations of affection. They might overwhelm you with a lot of rapid communication. So they're always texting you. They're always calling you. It's always about how great you are and how they can't live without you and how you're everything that they've been looking for. They also extract information from you. So they will share things that are, you probably are just thinking, oh, someone's genuinely sharing with me this sad thing that happened to them, this traumatic thing that happened to them, this difficult thing that they're going through. But a lot of times these are just made up stories to manipulate you and to get you to share, right? And so once they establish this trust with you, because now you trust them, you think this person is who they say they are. You think this person, you know, really understands and is empathetic to what you're going through and what you've been through. Now they've got you. And now they can start to, you know, oh, this little situation arose and 
oh my gosh, and now I'm stuck in this situation and I need to get some money or there's this investment opportunity and I want to let you know about it because I care so much about you. And needless to say, <laughs> there's lots of ways that they do this. So I don't have to like go through all of them. The point is that this tactic of love bombing is only something that works because we have been primed our entire lives to think that this is how romantic relationships are supposed to unfold. We have been primed our whole lives to think that there is one perfect person out there. And when we meet that perfect person, they are our true love. And that suddenly all of the pain that we felt in life, all of the you know feelings of rejection, of not being lovable, of not being good enough, of never having love, all of those fears evaporate because now we've met this one person. And if you think about this, like if you were to take it out of the context of romantic relationships and draw a parallel to money. So with money, if we had been told our entire lives, starting in the cradle and people had romanticized the idea of winning the lottery, if you want to live happily ever after, if you want to have, you know, the life of your dreams, if you want to have financial freedom, you have to win the lottery. And if everyone believed that and had been told that their whole lives and you had advertising and you had movies and you had songs that were always subtly and not so subtly reinforcing this message that the key to your happiness and your thriving in life is to win the lottery. Some people would believe that for sure, but you would also look at the reality of the fact that most people who win the lottery file bankruptcy within five years, right? It is obviously not the cure-all that brings you eternal happiness. And it's not even um, for many people a cure-all that brings you eternal financial freedom. We can look at that and we can say, well, you know, hey, winning the lottery might be great, but if I actually want to have financial freedom, if I actually want to be able to provide for myself and for my family, then there's other things I'm going to have to do here, right? I'm going to have to make money. I'm going to have to learn how to manage my money. I'm going to learn how to invest, like all of these things. We understand that when it comes to money and we think like, oh, and I'll play the lottery. Hey, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody's got to win, right? But when it comes to romantic love, it's like, all of a sudden we put it in this other category and now we think that we're looking for this windfall of a person right in the form of the, the jackpot is this person that we meet who's now going to solve all our problems and they're going to be the reason that we're able to live happily ever after and in reality by the way even the greatest relationship with the greatest partner it cannot make you sustainably happier than you are on your own if you are someone who does not know how to be happy, being in a relationship will just give you more reasons, more opportunities to practice unhappiness. I promise. The good news is here about the fairy tale industrial complex. And by the way, I love romantic comedies, right? I love love songs. I love romantic stories. So I am not trying to ruin the fun and the romance of these things. But what I am trying to do is to show you that this is a narrative that is a fantasy that has been sold to you so long that you think that it's true and take a step back look at how relationships how successful relationships how healthy relationships actually work and you know we also it's difficult because now we have social media and we have so many people hashtag relationship goals hashtag couple goals and we have so many people who are constantly showing this image of this perfect happily ever after i personally made a very concerted choice in my life to not do that especially given what i do i have a wonderful partner i love him he is so precious to me i'm so grateful for my relationship however he's not perfect i'm not perfect our relationship isn't perfect 
And I don't ever, I never wanted to use my relationship as marketing for my business, right? I never wanted to say, hey guys, look at how happy I am and how lucky I am and how great my relationship is. So you should hire me. That just felt very manipulative to me. And I didn't, I never wanted to do that. And I'm not judging people who do. And in my industry, I know a lot of people who they do put their relationship front and center. It's a big part of their story and their marketing and their message and more power to them. I really, I swear, it's not about judging other people. But for me, it is about seeing the bigger picture of what do these narratives, me pretending and putting on social media, all these photos and content to make other people think that I have it all figured out. And I have the happily ever after fantasy that they're seeking is only feeding this larger narrative. It actually blocks everyone from having more love because what we collectively believe about love and relationships, it affects everyone, whether it's the idea that if you go to a wedding, there isn't an open bar, for instance, right? So you have to pay for drinks and people are like, oh my God. I can't believe they didn't have an open bar at their wedding. And people like talking so badly about this couple because they didn't spend the money on an open bar. Now, I mean, they probably didn't have the money for an open bar and that's why they didn't do it. Aren't we here to celebrate love? Aren't we here to celebrate this partnership? But this idea of money and how much money you should spend and what it should look like to other people is so pervasive that it really starts to affect the way that we operate in our own relationships and the expectations that we have. And that's why I am on this mission to expose the fairy tale industrial complex because the reality of love and true love as I define it is so much greater. And it is something that's actually available to everyone. Even if you wanna be Cinderella, okay, fine. You wanna live a miserable life and be in distress and wait till somebody comes and finds you and rescues you from your circumstances. That's the blueprint for how you wanna operate. I mean, more power to you. I wish you luck, but I also hope that you realize that you are really leaving love to chance and even the definition of what you're calling love or what you expect love to look like is flawed. I mean, I'm on this mission for people to simultaneously take true love down off this pedestal and ground it in values and ground it in self-love and ground it in being a person who centers love in your life in general. Because if you do that, if you're centering love in your life and you combine that with an intention to have a romantic partnership, then that will happen. I truly believe that you can make true love inevitable through the power of your intention, but it can't just be, I'm a miserable person. I feel terribly about myself, but I'm still going to manifest true love. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be in love with yourself every second of the day and night. Okay. That's not how being human works, <laughs> but there does need to be some awareness of how I feel matters, how I feel about myself matters, how I'm showing up in relationships and in dating matters. If I want to have a relationship that is lasting, that is healthy, you know, I define a true love relationship as a relationship that has as its foundational values, love and mutual respect, emotional and physical intimacy, emotional and physical safety, adoration, commitment, and joy. And when I say love, I don't just mean the feeling of love. I mean the practice of love. I mean love as a verb. I mean treating your partner with love, which doesn't mean that you're feeling in love with them every moment, right? It's a decision of I'm going to treat this person with kindness. I'm going to treat this person with respect. I'm going to treat this person with care because that's what we signed up for when we signed up to be in a loving partnership. Doesn't mean that you don't get disappointed. Doesn't mean that people don't let you down. 
doesn't mean that you get along every second of the day, but foundationally you have committed to loving each other, okay? And not just relying on a feeling, but on a practice and on actions that align with that intention. And then you have the respect, right? How many people have you dated that you didn't respect? Or maybe they didn't respect you. Or how many people have you dated where you didn't have emotional intimacy, right? Or you didn't have emotional safety or you didn't have physical intimacy, or you didn't have physical safety, right? You didn't have joy. There was no, and joy doesn't mean that you're happy, happy, happy every moment. That's not life. Life still goes on, and you were still you even in a relationship, right? <laughs> so joy doesn't mean that you're in bliss all the time, but it does mean that when you come together, you are able to amplify each other's joy, right? So, and I feel that way. I feel like before I was in this relationship, I had gotten to the place where I was a joyful person. I had so much gratitude for my life, I had so much gratitude for my relationships. I had so much gratitude for myself, just like I was proud of myself for the things I've overcome, for the growth, for, you know, still being open hearted, for having an increasing ability to be vulnerable and to really show up authentically as myself. So when I met my partner, it wasn't like, oh, my God, now I know how to be happy. It's like, oh, I'm happy. And now I'm with this person and it's even better. It's even more joyful. Like when we come together, we can just laugh. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things about my partner is that I just we laugh every day, even if we're laughing at something silly, even if like most of the day isn't laughter. We can find a laugh, you know? <laughs> we just, that's an ability that we have when we come together. And so I really want you to take romantic love, take true love off a pedestal and realize that this is something that it is available to you. You can build this. You can build this. You can make this an inevitable reality. And also simultaneously to elevate love in your mind as something that is so much greater than just one perfect person. It's so much greater than a knight in shining armor. It's actually about living your life in a way where you are centering love, where you are choosing love over and over again in everything that you do. And that's in simple ways. Like I speak to my neighbors. I'm not going, I love you. But to me, it's an act of love when I see somebody every day to look at them and acknowledge their existence and to give them a smile. Why wouldn't I do that? That to me makes the world a better place, right? It makes the world a better place when I do work that I'm excited about and that I'm enthusiastic about versus, because I've had plenty of jobs that I wasn't excited about, okay? <laughs> and I wasn't enthusiastic about, and I had to drag myself out of bed every morning. And the point is not that everybody gets to have their dream job all the time. My point is that how can you pay attention to your life choices and really say, well, what am I doing that's honoring who I am, what I'm here to do on this earth, how I want to feel, how I want to experience my life, how I want to treat other people, how I want to be treated. And if we start asking ourselves those questions more often, then we'll all find more joy, we'll all find more happiness. And then having a fulfilling romantic relationship just becomes an inevitable result of moving through the world in that particular way. So <laughs> this episode is probably longer than I intended it to be already. I am going to wrap it up because I don't want to talk your heads off, but I thank you for listening. And I'm so excited for you to hear my TED Talk where I very succinctly, <laughs> unlike this episode, where I very succinctly share a vision for a romantic future that includes everyone and excludes no one. And I'm so excited for you to hear it. I'm so proud of it. I'm more excited than I am nervous, though excitement and nervousness are two sides of the same coin. But I can't wait for you to hear it and to hear what you think about it and how it might shift 
your approach to romantic love. And hopefully you're going to find it as empowering as was my intention in writing it and in delivering it. So that's happening Friday, December 8th. And if you connect with me on the socials, I'm at Dear Franny. You will certainly get reminders and you'll certainly see it and all of those good things. And I thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I thank you for your patience with me because I've been MIA. Well, I mean, I've been around, but just MIA from the podcast, but I'm back and I will be back next week with another episode. Um, We've got a few more episodes coming before the year is out. So thank you for your time, for your attention. Like I said, please check in with me. I'm at Dear Franny on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm, you know, Dear Franny on LinkedIn even. I mean, you can also just search my name, Francesca Hoagie. But anyway, you all know how to do it. And there's also links in the show notes. So check that out. And thank you so, so much for listening. And please know that true love is something that is 100% available to you. I believe that with all my heart. And a true love relationship starts with really, truly loving yourself and developing that relationship with yourself. And I know that can be difficult, but I'm here to support you. And this is not about perfection. It is about a journey where we are increasing our capacity to love more every single day. All right. Thank you. Wherever you are in the world, I'm sending you love. I'm sending you gratitude and be back next week. All right. Goodbye.